my subject this morning is the reality of Christmas. Now, I don't know what Christmas means to each one of you, but um, since I moved to West Virginia, we have a newspaper there. It's called The Review. And um, the week before Christmas, every year, in the paper is this Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And then it has questions that they ask people in the, in the preschool, kindergarten, second, and third and fourth grade. And I thought I would just share some of these responses because I love them. I, there's about 20 pages of this. And um, they ask the, the, <laughs> the craziest questions sometimes. For example, the, one of the questions is to the second graders, how does Santa enter your home on Christmas Eve? One boy says he makes the chimney bigger so he can go down it, and then he makes it smaller. One little girl said this, the imagination of kids that believe in him, they get him into the house. And then one little boy says, I, I think through the front door because we don't have a chimney. And then this little girl says, I have a porch, and he steps on one of the chairs and breaks through the window. And then this other little girl says, me, mommy, and daddy all think he goes right through the front door. Where was Jesus born, they asked the third graders. Underneath the light of a star, said one little boy. In New York, I think. <laughs> Another little one said, at the wishing well. Another said, I think somewhere near the ocean. Another said, in Noah's Ark. And then one little girl said, I don't know. And then there were several that said, in Bethlehem. <laughs> All I want for Christmas Third graders responded, spend some time with my family. Family to go to my birthday. Family to be happy. Family and friends to be nice. Dad to go hunting with me. Third grade. What does Santa want for Christmas? They asked the kids. One fourth grader said, goats instead of reindeers and a treadmill. Another said, weight watchers. That's what Santa wants, is weight watchers. Now here's a true country boy. If Santa's sleigh breaks down, how will he deliver all the toys? Preschool little boy said this. Santa will deliver the presents in a green John Deere. He will have to make it quiet because tractors are so loud. All I want for Christmas is 
my family to be happy. We're with each other, not for the presence. One fellow said, is all he wants for Christmas is cash and candy. <laughs> and a third grader said he wants a thousand bucks. I'm not sure he's going to get that. And then, <laughs> if you could give anyone any gift, what would it be and why? I would give my sister my room because she's a crybaby. I would, uh, I would give my brother love so he wouldn't be so mean to me. And then to this one, third grade, what would you give, if you could give anyone any gift, what would it be and why? It would be to dad. I would make him never go to jail because my brother and I miss him. Another one said, I would give money to my family because we need it. Another said, I would give money to my grandparents because they don't have much money and they take care of me. If I could ask Santa Claus one question, I want to know what would it be. Little Savannah said, why does it take you so long to get to our house? <laughs> So Christmas, it means a lot, and everybody is a little bit different, and it's because of their circumstances. For many, Christmas represents a time of loneliness and discontent. Many battle depression during Christmas more than any other time of the year. Maybe you can remember your first Christmas away from home and family. I was a Marine in a foreign land. Thinking about my mother, thinking about and wondering whether they're getting together with our cousins. Our cousins lived upstairs and one year they would come down for Christmas Eve and next year we would go up for Christmas Eve. And I hadn't heard from, any, from anybody for over nine months. And it wasn't their fault because I wrote my last letter to my mother and said that you don't need to write because I don't know where I'm going to go. And then I decided that I wouldn't write that letter. Um, I guess I just didn't think now, you know, I could cause her to worry about me. It was, I wasn't thinking about Jesus Christ or joy to the world, but only the feeling of being alone. I heard about the Christmas story. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. I saw some pictures on TV about uh, some programs on TV about how he died on the cross. But I never really read the story until I was, became a Christian at 23. I read the Gospels in Matthew, how Jesus was born the King of the Jews. In Mark, the Gospel of Mark describes 
Jesus' mission and his message. And Luke is the most complete account of the life of Christ from his birth to his ascension. The character and the purpose of Jesus as Savior are the main themes in the book of Luke. The Gospel of John brings the conviction that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And so every year we focus at this time of the year on Christmas Day when the Word was made flesh. The Son of God was miraculously conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. He was born complete with the Father's DNA. And the Bible says in Colossians 2.9, For in him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. When I think of Christmas, I think of the gift that Christ gave to all of us. He now shares that same DNA, that same completeness with you and I. You are in him made full and having come to the fullness of life because of the birth of Jesus Christ. In Christ you are filled with the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Colossians 2.10 it says, And in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. I wish that we could come to the place that we actually believe that that we have been made complete. Joy to the world. That's a tremendous song, and it's all true. Because the birthright is ours in Christ. And that, like the TV commercial always says, but there's more, and there is. In 2 Peter 1.4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. You see, it was God's original plan that by the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ, that it would come upon every person who has ever been born in this world of ours. It was, God's, it was God's intention that his life and that we would become part, participants of his divine nature. When this becomes a reality, when we come to believe that this is actually true, not only does Jesus Christ live by the Holy Spirit within your human spirit, but also you are now giving him control of your mind and your will and your emotions. It took me years to understand that. And your will, his life and his likeness are being expressed through you. Believe me, people around you become aware of the fact there is something different about you when you are in Christ. They may not understand just what it is, but they know that there's something different. It is you. You have become a partaker of what he is. This Tuesday morning, you will hear unto us 
is born a Savior. The Christmas message is, you need not go searching for God. He comes searching for you. 2,000 years ago, God built a bridge from himself to us. And it's recorded in Matthew 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The reality of Christmas. God's blessing may not come to you wrapped in a package. It may come to you simply from a promise from God. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. It may come to you by a wife or a husband who simply looks into the eyes of their loved one and they said, no matter what happens, I love you. It may come from a child, mom and dad, I love you. It may come to you in a Christmas card, a phone call, a friend just saying, I care about you. We all have different customs when it comes to Christmas. In my home, there was five my mother had five boys, well, four boys and one girl in four years. So do the math and you know there's a set of twins in there someplace. <laughs> Upstairs, where our cousins live, they had four. And our custom was that we could open up one gift on Christmas Eve. And then we'd have to wait until Christmas morning to see what we would receive. Christmas means a lot to a lot of people, especially the younger ones. When uh, our boys were, we had, we had three boys, and when our boys were little, I decided then that no matter what I would spend on my family, I would add that up, and that I'd either give a, that amount of money to the church as a, as a gift to Christ, or I would give it to some family. That was very, that was poor. And the greatest memories that the little boys had is when we would go and we'd take the gifts and we'd bring them up on the front porch, ring the doorbell, and we'd run to the car. And we'd just wait long enough so we could see the expression. And most of the time it was a lady who came to the door and saw the gifts. That was the most exciting part about Christmas to us. And I decided that I would try to carry that. I didn't understand about how Christ lives in you and through you at that time. But I decided that I would, uh, I would try to ask God if he could point some people out to me during the year that needed help, and then I could help them. And so <clears throat> I was in Idaho serving there as a minister and I often traveled uh, in the state uh, because of my work, and I was a guest speaker in, in several places there. And every time that I would be a guest speaker, I would meet the, the folks that were going to church, and, and always it seemed like because I prayed that prayer that God would, 
I would meet somebody who I just felt needed help. And so I had a, I had a custom then that <clears throat> I would, uh, if they lived in one part of Idaho, when I was on the other part of Idaho, if the Lord laid on my heart to help them, I could, I did some part-time work. You, as a minister, you're not supposed to do any part-time work. But I did it anyway because I thought I wasn't going to spend the money for myself and I would give it away. And so um, I was a guest speaker at a church in Twin Falls, Idaho. And there was a, uh, a fellow there that I had met about almost a year ago. And I knew that they weren't doing very well. And so I was going through Arco, Idaho. Arco, Idaho was in the middle of the desert. There's no stoplight. You just you can go through that a pretty good clip. But they have a post office. And so I took the, I took the money and I put it in an envelope and I says, blessings, and then not another word. And uh, I was in the church and they had a testimony time. And a man came up, he stood up, and it was this man that I had sent this money to. And he's, he got up and he said, um, I just want to praise the Lord and thank the Lord and give a personal testimony how God takes care of us. He says, my wife and I, we didn't have enough money to pay our rent. His rent was $600 and he only had 200 and he says, we got a, a thing in the mail from Arco, Idaho. We don't know anybody in Arco, Idaho. And there was $400, enough to pay for the rent. And I was sitting there, and I was oh, getting a little emotional about it. And I started thinking as I was leaving there, as I was going home to Boise. I was thinking, so this is how God works. He uses us to bless others. And from then on, I decided, <clears throat> this is too much fun. And I thought, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. So I went to, <clears throat> to West Virginia. I didn't know anybody. And I met a farmer <clears throat> my first week there. And this farmer, he drove a school bus. And I said to him, I said, could you do me a favor? I, he was a born-again Christian. I says, could, could you give me, each year, could you give me five names of families who really need help? I mean, really need it. And he says, well, we have a lot of them on my bus route. I said, well, could you give me their names? And then um, I would like to help them. And so uh, <clears throat> he gave me the names each year. He gave me the names. And um, he said to me, after a couple of months, he says, hey, he said, um, I want you to know. He, he, and I told him, I said, I don't care if they're Christians. I, that doesn't make any difference to me. I said, just as long as they need help. And so um, he said, say, there was a family that came to our church. And um, 
he gave a little testimony. And he said that they weren't going to have a, much of a Christmas because they were out of work and everything. And he said, um, unbelievable, he said. There was, we got a letter in the mail. Nothing was in the letter except blessings and some money. And he said, and we had enough <coughs> to have our Christmas. And I thought to myself, what a joy that is to be a receiver, but more so to be a giver. God is good to all of us. He's blessed us tremendously. He's given us a privilege. You know, I, <clears throat> I had an extra TV when my... <clears throat> I, I, what I did is when I moved out, to, when I bought the farm, I duplicated the, the bedroom that we had up in Vienna. My wife was from California. She was a city girl, and she wasn't excited about moving into the country. And then I came home one day, and I said, honey, I said, you'll never believe it. We bought a farm. And she said, we what? I said, we bought a farm. And uh, I said, I can't wait for you to see it. She says to me, she gets this grin, and she says, oh, I guess your bucket list is full now. And I said, yes, it is. But if you don't like it, in 30 days, if you don't like it, I said, I'll sell it. Well, <clears throat> so I had this extra TV. I duplicated exactly what we had. And so... I decided that I would give it away, and so when I did, we have, I have a dish, it's called dish, the service there, and they have a hopper, and they have something else, Joey, I think it's called, or something like that. And so <clears throat> I, I disconnected the TV, and then I found out that I didn't have any, I, I connected it, but it didn't work. So I, was, I couldn't get the TV going. So I called up the uh, Frontier or Dish, and they told me that, well, we can't send somebody out there for about a week or so. I said, OK, that's fine. And uh, so then they told me that they were going to charge me for coming out there and doing that. I said, oh, OK. It really wasn't OK, but I said, OK, anyway. There's nothing else I could say. And so <clears throat> I thought to myself afterwards, I said, this is crazy. Um, here I've been a customer for these years. And, but anyway, it was the best thing that ever happened. The repairman came out this last week. And um, his name is Wayne. And uh, Wayne came and... And we started talking, and he came upstairs and going to fix the hopper or whatever. And he noticed that I, my computer, and, and then I had my Bible open there, and I was, you could tell I was working on something on the computer. And he said, uh, oh, are you a preacher? And I said, yes. And he says, well, where is your church? I said, down in Front Royal, Virginia. 
And he says, well, I'm going down there tomorrow. I said, you are? He said, yeah, I got to pick up some parts in uh, Front Royal. I said, Front Royal has a dish distribution there? And he said, yes. So um, we started talking, and, and I said, this is a wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And he said, well, he says, yeah. He says, uh, I had a uh, heart problem a while back, and he says, uh, I kind of wish I would have died there. And he said, um, just life is really tough, really hard. I said, well, the truth is life isn't fair. But I said, God is always good. He's always good, never fails. And so he started telling me more about what he was going through and everything. And he fixed the service. We had a good time together, and he stayed quite a while there. And when he was going, I I, I said, I have something for you, and I gave him some, some money. He said, I can't take that. And I says, well, it's not a tip. It's a gift. I said, it's just a gift. I says, you have gifts at Christmas time. I mean, they don't interfere with that, do they? Dish doesn't care if you have gifts at Christmas time. He's okay, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> And I thought to myself, when I saw the truck going down the hill, I, th I thought, you know, Lord, it is true. It is true that everything works out for good for those who love God. Everything, no matter what it is, no matter what it is. Tragedy can come. Disappointment can come. But if we just hang on, everything works for good for those who love God. This is the time of the year that the whole world hears the Christmas story, which I am very grateful for. I'm afraid they do not hear the whole story, which I wish could be told. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John, come unto me all, excuse me, in Matthew 11:28, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then in 1 John 5, 11, 12, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has the life, the Bible says. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Eternal life what a wonderful gift that God has given to us. In fact, in John 1, 4, the Bible says this, In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. Eternal life is neither an inward feeling or a destination after you die. If you are born again, which every one of us are, if we're born again, the Bible indicates and tells us that it is our quality of life that we have right now, this day, this hour, this moment. We have the gift that God has given to us. Salvation is much more than being forgiven. 
You have been re-inhabited. Yes, re-inhabited by God. You have been reinvaded by the deity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is in you right now. And all this involves an act of faith that accepts Jesus Christ. It's our attitude of faith that continues to enjoy what Christ has done for us. Christ is your life. When you wake up this Christmas morning, remember who you are. The Bible says that you are a child of God. Jesus Christ invaded our humanity so that he can serve, so we can serve with our hands. That's true. He lives in us so, we, so that we can walk with our feet. So that we can act with our thinking. He's in our thinking. God is in us. And he's, he sees through our eyes. He hears through our ears. He thinks with our mind. And he loves with our heart. This is the gospel. In John 20, 21, the Bible says this. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I don't know if you feel that you've been sent by God, but you have been. God says so. He says he sends you into this world. What God expects of you is not some sensational or spectacular thing, but simply the miraculous. He wants you to live a miraculous life where you can experience the faith that he has already given you, that measure of faith. Now, hear me on this one and believe it. When you expose every situation to Christ, every threat, every promise, every opportunity, every problem, no matter what that problem may be, when you expose that situation to God and you can step back and you can say, thank you, Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you will do so that I can see and understand what a miraculous life is all about. Thank you and we praise you for it. Some of us have been waiting most of our life for this whole idea of Christ living in us and through us. We hear it, we don't quite understand it. We don't understand the mechanics of it, but it's real, and it affects each one of us differently. It's how you treat people, treat your neighbor. It's how you treat the person who waits on you at a grocery store. It's the way you treat the man who comes out to fix your TV, the man who comes out to fix your washer or your dryer. It's the man who 
It's the man and the woman who you see on a daily basis. It's how you treat them. When you can do all that, when you can expose your life to God and you can step back and you say, Lord, I know it looks like a mess, but I just want to thank you for the mess. I want to thank you that you've given me this mess so that I can see the miraculous life there is in Jesus Christ. And it will be miraculous. You'll see things and hear things and feel things and do things that will be unbelievable to you. You'll step back and you'll wonder, I didn't realize it would be this good. I didn't realize it would be this much fun. Living the Christian life is the only way to live. The Son of God living in you as a human being is awesome. It is truly awesome. It means letting him think through your thinking and let him react through your reactions. You know, we have simple things. Sometimes we, it's, it's kind of easy to overreact sometimes. But I noticed this last week, I was in a hurry. I came out and I took my garage door and I pushed it up as hard as I could. It goes back and then I got into my four-wheeler. I have one of these little side-by-sides. And I backed out and what I didn't realize, it's never happened before, but maybe I pushed it too hard because it came back down. And I heard this crash and I turned around and my garage door had left the rails and was sticking straight out. And I got off, I got off the, the, uh, off the four by four and I looked at it and I said, you know, Lord, I don't think I'll do that again. I says, I'll look next time. I'll look next time. And I thought, well, I don't know how I'm gonna get this garage door closed. And I noticed in the back of the side-by-side -side was a sledgehammer. And I thought, well, I'm not mechan mechanically inclined. I thought, well, maybe all these guys in West Virginia, that's all they need is a hammer, it seems like, and they can fix anything. So I took the sledgehammer, and I started banging away, and pretty soon I got it back into the things, and it, and it closed. And I said, thank you, Lord. The door is closed. I said, I said, if it never opens again, it's okay. But you know, it does. It opens up just fine right now. It's our attitude, and I'm beginning to learn that more and more as years go by. I can remember one time when I probably wouldn't have reacted that way. I would have said, oh, what happened? <laughs> God begins to change us. Now, I appreciate God's patience because it's taken me a long time to change. But the important thing is all of us are changing. We all come to the realization that to live is to, is to be in Christ. That's our true life. So I'll close with the, with the text from Hebrews. Through him, then, 
let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Let us, let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God. We're coming in just a couple of days from now to Christmas morning. Most of us know the truth about Christmas. We don't know that it was the 25th, but it's a day that's been set aside and that's good enough for me. And now we can enjoy the giver of all givers, Jesus Christ, who has given us our salvation and has given to us eternal life. Let that be our praise throughout this season. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you have done, all that you will do, and all that you are doing on a daily basis. We're thankful that you are who you are. We're thankful that you have come and inhabited us, that you invaded us, that you have given us a good heart, a new heart, one that's filled with your love, your purpose. And for this, we will be eternally thankful for. We're thankful that you came searching for us, that we had sense enough to respond. Thank you so much for everything. I pray that you'll meet the needs that each one of us have. We're all different. We all have different needs. But the main need is we just simply need to know that you love us, that you care for us, and that you will see us through. And this you have promised. We feel sometimes like the, the centurion soldier. I believe, but help my unbelief. And I pray that you'll do that for each one of us this morning. Bless us now, I pray. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.